Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. Good evening. Oh, hello. Good evening. Um, a bit late tonight. So I was terribly sorry about that. I've been at a uh, meeting today and I think you might notice uh, that there's some new, got some new software with a new writing. I'm not quite sure if I, oh, not sure if you can see what I can see, but it's like a little bit of scrolling there. Anyway, um, it's Tuesday night, so that can only mean one thing. Well, probably means for several things but it's uh facebook live q a night so i've got some questions here if you've got any questions please do ask away fire away and i'll be very happy to answer them now can i do what i used to be able to do like that uh olivia's in the house good evening olivia hope I haven't kept you up too late um so i um <laughs> it's all new this so Let's get into this. We got some questions, which I'm going to put like that. Is that happening? Yeah. So, um, refreshments. Mm. I'm not happy with my result. Um, <clears throat> we're after the watershed, aren't we? Yeah. So I can use swear words. Uh, my surgeon has put my crap result. Your their words, not mine. Um, entirely down to the complications that I had post-surgery. I had atelectasis and a very low blood oxygen level. Then a hematoma and necrosis, eschar and fat necrosis. The second surgeon did another surgery and put Penrose drains in. I also have hemosiderin staining under my eyes as an upper and lower breath bleph was done at the same time as the tummy tuck. I'd love an opinion as to whether this has just been. Uh, sheer bad luck or maybe a surgeon error. I'm nine months post-op. I've gone on to end up with massive bilateral PEs, which have resulted in pulmonary hypertension. So I have really um, affected, I'll, uh, edit that, affected my health by having this. I just want to have an idea for peace of mind if it's entirely my fault. I've been revised against, I think that probably means advised. I've been advised against a revision due to lung issues. Okay, and this patient has allowed me to show her photos, which is very, very, very kind. And I'm going to now go and be able to show photos, I think. I'm hoping this is all working. This is all new. Um, look at that. Mm. That's good, isn't it? So um, this is the photo. So thank you very much for letting me show photos. I think that does help. Um, so, you know what? I mean, the thing is, a tummy tuck, uh, you know, is a big op. Um, it's a big operation and there are, you know, potential complications associated with the surgery. And probably one of the biggest complications associated with a tummy tuck is a PE. And this patient's had bilateral PE, so PE on both sides. A PE is a clot in your lungs. So it usually comes from a DVT, a deep vein thrombosis, which is a, a thrombus, a, a blood clot that forms somewhere in the body, usually the calves. That's why they put those um, stockings on when you go into hospital. And you also have Floatron boots, which sort of 
uh, intermittent compression things around your calves and we also encourage you to move around and give you clexane and things like that but even so uh, there is a risk of DVT which can fly off into your lungs and form a PE and that can be extremely serious that can be life-threatening a PE so a PE is an extremely serious complication uh, and it is a potential complication after any surgery but particularly tummy tuck um, <clears throat> because we're increasing the pressure on your tummy so you're reducing the venous drainage from your legs and so there's more chance of the clots forming in your legs so that is a risk with a tummy tuck and um, so this patient has had a bilateral PEs, pulmonary hypertension, high blood pressure in the uh, in the lung uh, vasculature, presumably due to the scarring from the PEs. Uh, and so that is really serious. Um, and almost really, it probably may not like me to say it, but really the, the cosmetic outcome is probably really secondary to this. And obviously this photo is um, secondary, uh, is obviously post-op and is not the sort of look you would expect for following a tummy tuck. So um I think you're perfectly reasonable to be unhappy with the cosmetic result because that is not a, a particularly great uh, cosmetic result from a tummy tuck. It looks, looks, and it's nine months post-op. It looks like there's sort of localized swelling there. But if that's, you know, with the swelling gone down and what have you, and I think she said, did she say she had seromas and things? Yeah, he hematoma and necrosis, eschar, fat necrosis. Goodness me, lots of problems. So the PE is, is probably the biggest problem you can get after a tummy tuck, but also you can get all these other problems, uh, hematoma, Escar uh, means the uh, he, the wound hasn't healed up very well. Necrosis, fat necrosis, bits of fat that's died. So you've had all the complications really there. So um, I would say that you've had a terrible time. And unfortunately, if you do an operations on a, uh, on enough people, some people do get complications. It's a it's a a, a fact of life. And we aim and do everything we can to minimize complications and to give the best results once you've got complications. But I think, um, I mean, without seeing you, I can't, it's always hard to, to sort of give a, um, a sort of um, an opinion on a photo and, and on a bit of text. But my view is what this other surgeon you said that has seen you has said advised against revision due to the lung issues. I think I'd probably go along with that. I think uh, I, I, and I've, I've suspect you probably wouldn't want much more surgery i would be inclined to say is it worth doing a revision because there are risks with doing you know this is a problem with doing revisions you're doing revisions to fix problems but when you do revisions there's risk of problems you know and often revisions are more difficult than the initial surgery and you think goodness me you know could i get a hematoma again could i get necrosis again could i get a pe again um and the answer to all those questions are yes you could get the complications just the same second time round. so you really got to think hard about uh, having a complication and i understand that you're not happy with the result but um i would you know from what you said be in line to think look goodness me you've had a lot of problems there and um you don't want to run the risk of getting more problems. It's a tricky one because I can see how you're unhappy with your result, but it's uh, it's it's you've had a lot of bad issues there with the tummy tuck, and it just demonstrates that a tummy tuck is a big op with potential for um, complications. So um, we've got some. Oh, I'm using double computing here. Uh, Olivia's here. Um, Nikki's here. Hi, Nikki. Nice to see you. Look at that. A little photo of you comes up as well. That's good, isn't it? Let's have a look. What's this one? Cats here. What's the risk of having a PE again after having one eight years ago? There is a risk, cat. So um, whenever someone has a, a PE or anything like that, 
um, we always look at the risks. So the first thing you would be doing is looking at whether there's any risk factors for you having a PE. So if there's, is there something wrong with your blood clotting? Is there some reason that your form clots more easily than other people? So if there's an underlying reason for it, then obviously you're going to have a higher risk in future operations. Um, it might be that you had an operation or you had a long term or a long haul flight or something or some other reason for that, which um, rather than an underlying problem. So obviously, if you've got an underlying problem, obviously you're at higher risk. But if you just had a short period of treatment and then are not on any treatment now, um, then that's less of a worry. But still, it is a worry um, because you've had a history of PE. So that would that would count as a risk factor for another PE. Um, so. I, even if it's eight years ago, it is still a risk factor and it's still something I'd worry about and we talk about to you and we do everything we can. To be honest, we already do everything we can to minimize the risk of PEs, but we'd be very uh, cautious about it with you and you would have to accept that there'd be a higher risk. Depends what surgery you're having. Obviously, PE, as I've said, is, uh, uh, sorry, abdominoplasty is one of those ops which has got a high risk for PE. So if it's something like that, then you'd have to think, excuse me, whether it's worth... Um, taking on that risk but the uh, sh short answer is yes it is make you it does make you have a higher risk of getting another um pe um lisa i've severe pox scars microdermabrasion didn't improve them was told filler won't improve them as they would need to use a cannula it won't be guaranteed could surgery be an option um good question lisa uh, difficult to say without seeing them. It is an option if you have sort of like pox scars or sometimes people call it ice pick scars, like picks, sort of um, dented in scars, then surgery can be, a, uh, you can excise them and, and stitch them. Um, just take them out and stitch to leave. Still, you'll still have scars, but they won't be dented in if I'm assuming they're dented in scars. Yeah, filler's difficult because there are, there are scar tissue there. Um, it is always difficult, as I've always said, with, with scar revision, it's always difficult to know what to do with scar revision because we just create another scar. But if there's something specific wrong with the scar, then we might be able to change the scar to a better scar. And certainly if it's a dented in sort of um, dent, then it might be able to be made better with surgery. Uh, Nikki? I've now lost five stone in weight in remission for diabetes, HbA1c from 92, non-medicated to 42. Woohoo! Go, Nikki. BMI from 42 to 32. Wow. That's a big drop. Uh, with this, will this all help with recovery from a tummy tuck? OBS will get as close to target before surgery. Absolutely, Nikki. I mean, you absolutely, you know, when your BMI was 42 and your diabetes was not well controlled, you're in a really bad place in terms of a tummy tuck. So, yes, absolutely. Diabetes is a risk for um, infection, increases your risk of infection. So getting that under control is, is excellent. And uh, you're absolutely right to get your weight down. I think there's a question here about weights and tummy tucks. But you're absolutely right to get your weight down. Um, before having uh, surgery and you and again get to your target weight before having surgery so there's no question that you've done yourself a massive favor in terms of getting less complications with the diabetes and the weight you're increasing your risk of complications with your weight higher but also you're going to give yourself a better result because with the weight gone more of the fat will be gone from your tummy so you'll have more redundant skin so actually you might find that your tummy's worse looks worse is it a tummy problem yeah um you might find that something looks worse but it's better off getting it as bad as it can be sort of thing so then when we do the tummy tuck we can make it as tight as possible 
Because what you don't want to do is have a tummy tuck and then lose weight after that. Or worse, still put on and lose weight because you'll stretch the skin again. So well done you. That's excellent. Cat, thrombophilia screen NAD. Okay, no abnormality detected. I know what that means. Using your Throwing your abbreviations at me. Um, with no contributing factors. Okay, well, that's good, Kat. So that lessens your risk, but you've still got a higher risk just by virtue of the fact you had a PE in the past puts you at a higher risk of having another one. So there's risk factors we look for in people when we're assessing their risk for PE or, or clots in general. And if you previously had a clot, that in itself is a risk factor. If you had um, a clotting disorder or some other thing, that would be a, another risk factor on top of that. But uh, yeah, so you've still got a higher risk um, cat just because you've had one in the past. Uh, Lisa says they're deep holes so in that case maybe surgery could be um, done for it but they would leave little scars. So Cat uh, says would a surgeon consider me if bloods were good for a tummy tuck after a PE? Yes I think so. I mean you have to talk, talk to individual surgeons and you'd have to you know we'd have to weigh up the risks with you. Um, um, we talked about, you know, and if you have got someone looking after PE, which you probably haven't if it was eight years ago, but if you have, we'd have to talk to them. But I don't think it's an absolute contraindication, but it's something that would have to be discussed. I wouldn't like to say, you know, definitely yes or no, because it would definitely be a risk factor, which would have to be considered because it would increase your risk. No question. I've since lost eight stone. Wow. BMI much fitter. BMI of 26 was 42. How do you do that, Cat? What's the secret? Yeah. Oh, God, I've still got that photo up. Oh, God. Sorry, guys. It's a new... Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> okay. No. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, dear. Sorry. Another photo. Um, so, yes. Um, so, yeah. Thanks, Olivia. I just noticed the photo was still up. Um, I'm still... Yeah. Eight stone. Much fitter. BMI of 26. Uh, mini mini gastric bypass, fantastic cat. You've done fantastically well, um, and you are in in a good surgical state to have a to have a, uh, a tummy tuck. But as I say, you we'd have to take into account the PE. So I think you'd have to talk to, to your surgeon about that, and it would definitely be in the mix uh, according to whether that would be a good option for you to have a tummy tuck or not. Because uh, as I say, a PE is a very serious thing. And the, you know you have had one before, so you have a higher risk. So back on hold this technology. Right, I'm not have done that one. Now is this one going to come up now? Here we go. I um, think I rejected the stitches I had from an uplift and implant. I had many cysts, and the skin grew and healed over and around stitches. Would revision surgery help or would the same be likely to happen? So I tried to get photos of this without the um, dreaded nipple on it because I don't want to get in trouble from Facebook because I've been down that road before. So I've got some photos here. So I'm going to try that again. Thank you very much for allowing me to show the photos. Very, very much. Um, very, very much. Very grateful to you for that. Um, can I show another photo? Can we do another one up? Can we do three? Yes, we can. And look at this, guys. This is what I'm talking about. What's best? Too much of a big background, isn't it? Anyway. Anyway. So, what do you think of that? What if I put myself down? 
can I still have the audio? Let's give it a try. Right, I'm going to speak and then tell me if the audio cuts out. So here's. There. Did the audio cut out then? Did the audio cut out or? If I still, you could you still hear me? Anyway. <laughs> Just little settings. Anyway, oh look, there's a mic. Hello, microphone. So if I put, oh, it, it cuts out. Okay, okay, can't have everything. Right. Well, let's don't like that one. That one. No. Right. Wrong way. That one. And then that one. That one. One. Right, anyway, enough of messing with the photos. Let's get talking about the question. Right. Can that do? Are they bigger? Oh, they're not bigger when I do that, are they? Right. Okay. So rejected it. So again, I've got to say, you know, having said a tummy tuck's a big op, we've got some big ops going on here. A breast lift with implants is a big op. And uh um the breast, the breast lift with implants is a, a big operation, no question about it. And uh, it's there's a risk of of, um, of problems, of complications, and uh, and uh, problems with it. So, uh, and one of the risks is wound healing problems. I don't necessarily think that the stitches were rejected. People say things like they're rejected and stuff like that. Usually, what they're talking about is. Um, infection and there was probably a bit of delayed healing you can see i don't know if you can see the scarring in the in the in the top right one um well in fact both of them the scar is quite stretched and uh and it, it suggests that especially at the t-junction on the bottom one where the lower part of the breast is shown that is the tightest part so sometimes the wounds don't heal up there in the best of hands but um this one in the top photo and also in the other photos which show the nipple which i daren't show because i don't want to get banned from facebook again but uh, they have got quite stretched scarring around the nipple so i don't necessarily think it was um necessarily rejection of the stitches and i think it uh it was probably more an infection uh, and or wound d delayed wound healing and, and wound breakdown the problem with a lift with implants is a lift makes the skin all tight and an implant makes the skin all tight. It's got a high risk of wound breakdown because both of those things make the skin tight. So it's got a it's got a high risk of complications in terms of wound breakdown, which can then lead to infection, which can lead to removing the implant. So again, it's a big deal a lift with implants. So um, would revision surgery help? Uh, pr uh, it depends on how much they bother you. I think they're faded nicely. Uh, you have got a little fold. You can see the top photo there's a little fold at the uh the lower part of the breast here in the in the top one uh that could be revised by making a little short uh horizontal oh there is a horizontal scar oh, okay all right then anyway yes um revision might help to make those scars slightly less stretched but the problem with revision is that it would make the, the, if you cut all those scars out because they're quite stretched it would be closed tight again so there's a risk they might stretch again um and looking at the ones around the areola i think they are quite obvious the ones around the areola so if it was me i would say it might be worth trying to revise those ones the ones lower down underneath the breast i would probably be inclined to leave because they're faded they're a good color but again it depends on how much it bothers you 
Um, it could be revised, but the problem with revision is there's a risk they could always stretch again and you can get infections again and, and what have you. So uh, I wouldn't think the same would be likely to happen. Otherwise, you know, we wouldn't do it. But there's a risk that it could happen again. So you'd have to weigh up the risk versus how much it bothers you. And if the scars don't bother you that much, then leave it. But if they do, as I say, certainly the ones around the areola, I think could be made better with um, um, made better with revision. Oh, what's going on here? Cut out, cut out. Does that mean it cut out when I did the, sorry, I haven't been just, but not clearly better with the mic. Okay, I think are those old comments. Was that when I was doing the three thing? Right. Um, so yeah, look at that. That is this is what I'm talking about. We got photos. We got talking. We got live. What more do you want? What more could anyone ask for? I don't know. Um, so that is awesome. Let me show those photos. Thank you very much. There's the T junction there, which is which as I say is not. Um, I'd probably leave and. You can't really see the um, the areola on that, but you can see the sort of lower part of the areola is here is quite, quite stretched. So I probably, um, oh God, I'd probably look at maybe revising the areola and leaving the T-junction. Um, Marina, but not clear better with the mic. Right, okay. Cat says yes. I think yes means that it was cutting out with the, Okay, when I disappeared off the screen. Yeah, okay, got it, got it. I'm up to speed now. And uh, there was a comment up here from Kat that I don't want to miss. Uh, what's the max duration of surgery you would go for? Um, there's no max really, Cat. Uh, I mean, I think the, le the length of surgery, the longer the surgery, the increase your risk of uh, clots. So in your case, I think you'd probably want to want to go for a long, I don't know if you're talking about you or in general. So in your case, I think you want to go for as short as operation as possible. So like if you're thinking about your tummy tuck and something else, you might want to stage it and just have one at a time for you because you've had a PE in the past. But for people who are not at high risk of uh, clots, then uh, you can do long operations. You know, you can do 12 hours or more operations on people. I mean, it's not great because obviously you have a lot of anesthetic and you um, but so, so that's probably not really answering the question very well, because I suppose more for a cosmetic operation, um, for a cosmetic operation, five or six hours, I think is a long time. You wouldn't really want to go much more than that. You know, when we do these sort of circumferential mastopexies and a breast procedure, you know, so that's quite a long up. That's probably longer than six hours. That's seven, maybe eight hours. So that's long. That's pretty max. But it's depends on the patient, depends on the risk factors, because you can always stage these operations and do um, do shorter operations. But uh, it depends on the risk factors and what the patient wants to achieve and what's, whether the patient wants to um, have it all done in one go or, or, not, or not. But the risks do increase with a longer op. But, yeah, that is a long op. Um, but the thing about, I mean, it does knock you back and it does make you feel very tired and jaded afterwards uh, but sometimes people want to have it all done in one go to balance but i probably wouldn't advise that with you Kat, with your history short drops and that <clears throat> so what we're going to do now is we're going to find the right where are we up to i'm uh breast lift done that mons here we go mons lift uh mons lift please explain does it include lipo or just skin removal recovery recovery etc so um a, a mons lift so we try and do as much so the mons is the bit at the top of the pubic hair it's uh, over the pubic bone 
um, and it's called the mons pubis um, and it's uh, sometimes uh, quite um, prominent and it's usually prominent in people who require a tummy tuck and often people don't realize it's prominent and uh, it's it's useful to point it out to people before you do the tummy tuck because uh, if there's still a prominent mons after you do the tummy tuck they'll say what on earth have you done why have you put that big bulge there when in fact it was already already there so it's good to point it out before you do the tummy tuck just so they aware of what sort of result they can get you can do stuff to it at the time of the tummy tuck but you can't do a huge amount to it because you don't want the scar to ride up so a mons lift is usually uh, reserved for people who've had a tummy tuck who's still got a prominent in that prominence in that area um and it's a combination really and if it's not too bad then liposuction obviously that will take rid of, get rid of the fat um but it doesn't get rid of the skin so if it, if there is skin there it could, maybe need to be combined with skin excision so you know uh, it can be a combination of lipo and skin excision or it could be just lipo or it could just be skin excision sorry is that, is that unhelpful but, you know it's it depends on what the problem is and how big the mons is and how full it is and if it's just sort of baggy skin then maybe just skin excision would do the trick and if it's just a mild prominence maybe lipo would do the trick but if not maybe a combination um, Sarah said I should do a featured featured question sort of best question and I, and I like this one so I'm sorry I, that, that's is that bad because that doesn't make the, does that make the other questions look bad um I don't want to make the other look bad because but uh, but I like this one um crescent breast lift do you ever make crescent incisions on a mastopexy or are anchors favored um personally i do not use crescent incisions on a mastopexy and i do favor more scarring in terms of uh, circumvertical or lollipop or anchor um the reason being the less scarring the less of a lift so basically a breast lift you have to lift the nipple that is base that is a sort of nubbins you are you're trying to lift the whole breast but it's the nipple sitting too low so you've got different types of breast lift so probably the 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 the, the sort of least scarring i guess is the crescent breast lift where you take just a crescent above the nipple and you just lift the nipple up a little bit now two problems with that first of all it is very limited how much you can move the nipple uh, because it only is a very little a very small lift to the nipple you might say well i need a small lift and that's fine the other thing is because you're just taking asymmetrically just taking skin above the nipple there's a risk the nipple can become a bit elongated now it usually does settle and, and go round it in time but there is a risk that it can become a bit elongated and it doesn't give a great lift so moving on from that you have a circum areola so you make a scar all the way around the areola and you take a, a donut of skin and, and then cinch it in to do a lift that way uh, and again, I don't do that one either much, really, um, because it doesn't give a great lift. The scar's puckered. It can flatten the breast um, rather than giving it a nice projection. So I think if you're going to have a lift, probably the you know, you, you, the best way to do it is to actually take more skin out. And the more skin you take out, the more scarring you get. So you get scarring around the nipple and then going straight down. That's the lollipop or circumvertical, same thing. So a lollipop lift. And I often put a little T just like that last photo, which had, it looked like it had a little fold. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, it looked like it had a little fold in the lower part here, this lady with the bad scarring. Um, so that um, sometimes you get a little fold at the bottom. So I often put a little um, T, a little um, uh, 
horizontal excision at the bottom of the circumvertical scar um, in order to uh, take that little fold out. If you if you get it, that previous patient was the lady we were showing a minute ago who um, had the thought she had a reaction to the stitches. Um, so yes, I think um, personally, I don't like the crescent lift. It's not really a breast lift. It's more of a nipple lift, to be honest with you. Um, and it can elongate the nipple, and I don't particularly like it. I don't think there's much a lift, and I don't even like the circumvert um, the circumareola lift. I go for a circumvertical lollipop lift, or a short T, or even a full anchor if it needs a big lift. But the more scarring, the more lift you get. No one wants scarring, but you know, if you want a lift, the more scarring gives you more of a lift, and. Uh, you always have to have a scar around the nipple, which is on the front. And I think the nipple scar is the most obvious one because it's on the front. So having a scar going straight down and particularly having one in the fold is usually not, not as obvious as the one, one on the front. So that's a good question. What's going on here? Wow, that's a long op cat. Uh, it's so hard because anyone could have a PE. It's a risk of surgery. They could cat, but the fact that you've already had one puts you at a higher risk. Um, I'm sorry to say that you ha are at a higher risk if you've had a PE. It's not that common having a PE. And the fact that you've had one means that your, you know, your body can form clots within, because a PE is, is, a, is a thrombus, which is a clot inside a blood vessel that is intact. So um, obviously when you cut a blood vessel and you bleed, it clots to stop the bleeding. But a thrombus is a clot forming inside a blood vessel which is intact and that's not supposed to happen your blood's not supposed to clot inside an intact blood vessel and then when that thrombus breaks off it can then form an embolus that's why the, that's why it, dvt deep vein thrombosis but then becomes a pulmonary embolus and it flies around the, the body goes into the heart and then gets pumped out of the heart into the lungs and then it gets caught up in the small blood vessels in the lungs and that causes your pulmonary embolus which can clot the blood vessels in your lungs and 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 cause a lot of problems so you're i'm sorry to say at a higher risk because you've had one before cat because it's not that common to have one so your body has formed it uh, for whatever reason um nikki would you recommend getting up as walking as soon as you can after surgery then to reduce the risk of dvt absolutely nikki yes the best thing you can do is walk and if you can't walk move your ankles keep your ankles same like when you're on a, on a flight keep your ankles moving keep your knees moving your hips your bum keep everything moving um taking deep breaths cough if you need to and the best thing you can do to stop a dvt is to walk so you're absolutely right nikki you need to get up and walking as soon as possible absolutely uh very helpful i think probably more skin okay that's the mons lift i think nikki and not as would you recommend getting up and walking? Okay, yeah, got it. Gillian, uh, hello. Hi, Gillian, nice to see you. Lisa's back in. If the scars around the areola were the only scars to be improved rather than the T-star, could new implants be fitted through the nipple? Yes, they could, uh, Lisa. Yeah, you have to cut through the breast tissue, so it's not a normal way that I would put implants in. But as you say, if you, ha if you have scars around the areola that is going to be improved and you're going to make a scar that way anyway, you could then put the implants in through that uh, incision. Or you've already got a scar in the fold. You could put, you know, you could put the scar in, an extra scar in the fold and put the implants in that way. But yeah, either would be an option, Lisa. Um, but yeah, talk to your surgeon, but you certainly can put the implants in through a nipple incision. Um, going well tonight, isn't it? Flipping out. You guys are up late. I thought I'd be talking to myself this time of night. Um, 
Right. What we got? Um, could you talk about keloid scarring and any ways to avoid this? We have ladies saying they are mixed race and more at risk. Is this a factor? Question mark. Yes. So keloid scarring, um, first of all, risks of keloid scarring. There is a few risk factors and skin type is one. So Afro-Caribbean skin is at a higher risk than Caucasian skin. So that is in itself a risk factor. So if you have Afro-Caribbean skin, you are at a higher risk of keloid scarring. If you have keloid scarring in your family, you're at a higher risk. Or if you've got a previous keloid scar, you're at a higher risk of keloid scarring. If you don't know what a keloid scar is, it's a lumpy raised scar, uh, which is unsightly uh, and difficult to treat. Uh, the other risk factors for keloid scarring are um, the part of the body. So certain parts of the body are increased risk of uh, keloid scarring. They call it the cape area. So where you'd have a cape, so the, the um, shoulders are at a high risk of keloid scarring, the sternum, any moles or anything in the sternum or the shoulders, uh, earlobes have got a risk of keloid scarring. So these areas are particularly high risk of keloid scarring. The other thing that's got a risk of keloid scarring is if there's delayed healing. Not really keloid scarring, to be honest with you. It's usually hypertrophic scarring. Subtle difference between the two, but it's still a raised, red, unsightly scar. So a hypertrophic scar is a risk if the wound takes a long time to heal, uh, then it can get a raised, red, unsightly scar. So these are all risk factors for um, for hypertrophic or keloid scarring. Um, ways to avoid it. You know what? If you've got, if you're Afro-Caribbean, if you've had a scar a keloid scar in the past you have a family history of scarring if you're a high risk of scarring uh keloid scarring if you're having a surgery on your shoulder or your sternum if you've got a mole or something like that or a cyst i would say look think about not having a scar think about not having surgery seriously if you've got a cyst here a mole here or in the shoulder i'd be like as long as it's not a worrying cyst or a worrying mole i would say look consider not having it removed don't give yourself a scar in those areas if you're at high risk Sounds a bit of a cop out, but honestly, that's a good way to avoid keloid scarring. Don't have a scar in those areas, particularly at high risk. But even if you're not at high risk, anyone with a lesion on the shoulder and the sternum, it can give a, uh, a red unsightly scar. Um, apart from that, there's no other way to avoid it. You know, there's things we do. People talk about using non-dissolvable sutures, whether that avoids it, maybe. Maybe there's a bit of inflammation with dissolvable sutures. Um, and then it's just a question of treating it if it happens. But it's a difficult problem to treat. Um, so yeah, prevention really, which means not having surgery, which probably sounds a bit, bit naff maybe. Um, Lisa, she's waited two hours. I wasn't going to, Lisa, I think you'll agree. You wouldn't want to miss this. I mean, this is pretty, <laughs> pretty electric stuff going on right here. You know, you didn't, didn't realize what went on. Um, yeah, I'm sure you'll agree with that. Um, Wyatt Louise Helen, would you say showering is best left for a few days with a TT to stop the risk of water retaining in the belly button? Um, you know what, Wyatt? Is your name Wyatt? Wyatt. Um, this is one for your surgeon there, Wyatt, because it depends on what sort of dressings you've got. You've usually got a dressing over your belly button. So does this mean you've got no dressing? Um, so you usually got a dressing over your belly button and a dressing over everything. And I would say that maybe there's a risk of getting the dressings wet which will be a problem if you get the dressing soaked. That's a problem. If you haven't got a dressing, if your belly button's open, then I don't think there's a problem with getting water in the belly button. No, it's fine. Just sort of dry it. Just sort of dab it dry. It'd be absolutely fine. 
I think water washing in general terms, washing and, and showering earlier, we're doing it a lot earlier than we used to. In the old days, people used to sort of not have a shower for weeks afterwards, but we try and get people washing pretty well straight away. The thing that will worry me in terms of the dressings that I use would be getting the dressings soaked, uh, although they are waterproof dressings, but it's hard to get them waterproof down in the sort of groin area. Um, but if you haven't got dressings on or if you are, um, uh, if you've, um, if, yeah, if you haven't got dressings on and your belly button's exposed, then I'll, I'll, well, I'd have thought it'd be fine to get it wet in the shower, but you better talk to your surgeon. I don't want to get in trouble. Just talk with your surgeon. Don't, don't do what I said. Um, Lisa's learning so much. Mm, informative. Thank you. Um, oh, so hypertrophic scarring, would that be what on the breast yeah hypertrophic scarring slightly yeah exactly uh, lisa yes so when something takes a long time to heal that sort of slightly red raised scarring is hypertrophic scarring it's usually self-limiting takes about 18 months for it to settle um and it's a self-limiting thing rather than a keloid scar which is a not self-limiting and tends to get worse and and uh, stays with you forever but hypertrophic scarring is when you've got delayed healing so exactly that lisa so that slightly red raised scarring is is hypertrophic scarring um, so this sort of uh, appearance here, this slight, uh, you can't see my mouse, but that slightly red bit in the middle, the slightly red and raised is a, is, is a hypertrophic area. The rest is just stretched, it's faded. a lot of it's quite well faded, but there's some red, slightly red firm areas and those are, and those are hypertrophic uh, scarring, scarring too much. Olivia never misses it. Thank you, Olivia, for your vote of confidence uh yeah so you're learning yeah um right i'm learning how to use this new uh new thing here i don't know if it's better or worse i think i quite like the little words on it yeah the little pictures and all that so we've got a question here oh sorry that keeps on, on double screening tell the children not to do that and i'm doing it myself is there a limit how much to how much liposuction and skin removal on a thigh lift and how does how long does swelling last um is a well, yeah there's a limit yeah yeah there is a limit on liposuction um funny question really because you don't really liposuction is for resistant areas of fat it's not really like so i'm always a bit worried when people say how much fat can you remove you know it's not really a fat removal well, it is obviously it is fat removal but it's not really to remove large volumes of fat it's for resistant areas of fat the best way to remove large volumes of fat i hate to say it is weight loss so you have to get your weight loss right first. You have to get your weight right first before considering liposuction. It's not really a weight loss tool. So it's not really a, a weight loss tool. Um, is there a limit to how much liposuction? Yeah, I mean, the problem with high volume liposuction, we don't do it so much, uh, don't do it so much in this country, but certainly high volume liposuction, you get fluid shifts in your body and you can get dizzy and collapse and things like that. So you have to be monitored sort of overnight if you're having high volume liposuction. Um, high volume being like several liters, like five liters of liposuction or something would be a high volume liposuction. So, um, you know, that it's not really part of my, I don't really do that sort of volume of liposuction and uh, we don't really do that much in this, in this country. Um, so sort of a lot of liposuction for me would be a liter, um, which isn't considered that high a volume. So there is a limit um, uh, and skin removal on a thigh lift. Uh, not really limit on how much skin removal on a thigh lift. Well, I guess the limit is to get it closed. And the other thing with a thigh lift, same with an arm lift, you've got to be careful that to keep the circumference of the thigh looking like a, a, a conical thing. You don't want to take out too much skin, then get a dent, a dish, like a, 
you know, like a shark bite, you know, with the arm and the, and the, and the leg. That's one of the sort of arts in doing arm and thigh lifts. You have to keep a, keep the, 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 the leg, leg looking like a cylinder rather than taking out too much. It's not really asking a question because it's, you're saying, is there a limit on how much skin? So the only limit is how much you take out the amount of excess skin you've got, really. That's the, that's the trick. How long does the swelling last? Um, a few weeks swelling is pretty bad for a few weeks couple of months i normally say things really start to settle around three months in terms of the swelling the sensation the scar um three months i guess for things to really properly start to settle first couple of months is it's probably it's bad oh what's going on oh nothing okay nothing's going on in the chat it's fine it's all right <laughs> it's fine no one's gone home everyone got home see i can't see if anyone's here anyway doesn't matter I suppose you want to say gone home, we got home already. Anyway, uh, I'm going to crack on. I'm a fighter. Um, last question. If anyone's there, we've all gone to bed. I don't know. Um, what is the highest BMI you do a tummy tuck on? If overweight, what is the BMI? What is the BMI requested for this surgery, please? So there's a short answer to this question. Um, and the short answer is 30. Um, <laughs> So a BMI of 30 is the sort of general ballpark that I think most of us work on uh, for a BMI for a tummy tuck. So uh, if your BMI is less than 30, you're, you're thought of as being in sort of good shape for a tummy tuck. If it's above 30, you're, you're deemed to be better off getting it below 30. That's a short answer. So um, when you say what's the highest BMI you do a tummy tuck on? Now, I have done tummy tucks on people with BMI above 30, but they people have lost a lot of weight, massive weight. Like someone earlier was saying they've gone from 42 to 32 or something on their BMI. You know, if you've gone from 42 to 32, to say you've got to get to 30 is a bit like you might never get to 30. You know, dropping 10 BMI points is crazy. So it might not be that you're going to get to to uh, to 30, particularly if you've lost a lot of weight. So there's an absolute figure. And if you ask for an absolute figure, it's usually 30. But the other thing is you've got to be stable and comfortable with your weight, which is probably more important. So even if your BMI is 30, if you want to have a BMI of 27 or 26 or 25, you're better off doing it before surgery. Don't think, oh, I'm below 30. I can have the surgery now. Get your BMI right. So if you if you want to be 27 or 20, whatever you want to be, you want to be get your weight right and stable. You don't want to have weight fluctuations after surgery. Similarly, you don't want to weight, lose weight just to have the surgery and then put it back on again because you're not comfortable with that weight sort of thing. So get your weight, weight stable for the surgery. And as I say, sometimes it, it stabilizes above BMI of 30. But if that's the case, we would say to you, look, you've got a higher risk of complications. You know, you'd be, if you got your weight down, you'd have a lower risk of complications. Do you want to take that on? Do you want to take that uh, increased risk on? And you might say, yes, because I'm never going to lose weight. Or you might say, no, I don't want to take that risk on. I want to have a lower risk of complications, and in which case you'd be better off losing weight. But uh, yeah, so stable and comfortable with your weight is probably more important than the absolute BMI. But if you ask for an absolute BMI, 30 is the ballpark we normally work, work off. Nothing magical happens at 30, but it's just when they've looked at studies and things, that's the BMI they've looked at. Uh, and they've looked at groups of people above and, above and below 30. And there's a, a increased risk of complications if your BMI is above 30. So you're better off getting it below if you can. Um, oh, look, Nikki's here. Olivia and Nikki are here. So people are here. It's not past everyone's bedtime. Um you could drop the extra two BMI points in surgery. Yeah, you could, Nikki. The main thing is, are you 
it, it's not about the actual BMI. In fact, no, you couldn't, Nikki, you wouldn't drop two BMI points in surgery. You wouldn't remove that much weight in surgery, first of all. But secondly, it's more about whether you're, you know, the rest of your body, if you're comfortable with your weight. It's not like, sometimes when people talk about surgery, it's like, almost like, please do the surgery. Will you do the surgery for me at this BMI? It's more of a collaborative thing. We want to do the surgery that's right for you. You, you want to do the surgery that's right for you. So you've got to be happy. If you're happy with the rest of your body as it is, then fine. But be true to yourself. If you're not and you want to lose weight, you're better off doing it first. Because if you lose weight after surgery, you could have some redundant skin on your tummy, which we could have made tighter. So if your BMI is 32, you're probably better off getting it down lower if you can. But as I say, if you dropped a lot of BMI points and you're happy and comfortable where you are, then... You, you you know it might be possible to still do the tummy tuck but you would be at a high risk of complications so we'd have to have that discussion um i want to be ready for me absolutely absolutely you need to be ready for you that's deep yeah yeah it's for you nikki it's a collaborative you got to do what's right for you wow that was a good one wasn't it do it this late at night? Well, probably not now. So, thank you all for joining. If, if any, if any well, Nikki's still here. Um, thank you all for still being here at this late hour. I feel like I should talk quietly because I don't want to wake the kids up. Um, any questions, any concerns, any worries, anything, please ask because that is the lifeblood of my Facebook Live QA. Uh, please ask, and I'll be here next Tuesday. Seven, well, so it should be. So I don't know what I'm doing next Tuesday. Seven o'clock. I'm operating, but I think I'm operating in the morning, so it shouldn't be. I should be finished by then. Anyway, seven o'clock. Oh, Khan's here. Khan's been keeping quiet on the sidelines. Um, thank you, Khan. Um, thank you. Um, has it paused? What? No. No, hasn't paused. Well, I finished. I finished, Lisa. That's it. It's been really good. Nikki says it's been really good, not like the usual. Well, thank you, Nikki. Oh, casuals. Um, yeah, thank you. Um, thank you for uh, engaging, as always. Uh, thank you, Khan. Thank you, Olivia. And I'm going to check out. And I will see you all next week. And thank you all very, very much for your engagement. And um, I'm renewed. Oh, here we go. So. Good night. Stop streaming. <laughs> Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.